Hi, friends. Since we recorded this special episode, the Arkansas Repertory Theater announced their production of the Designing Women play will be on stage January 18th through February 6, 2022. Visit www.therep.org, that's T-H-E-R-E-P dot O-R-G, for more information. Now back to the show. Enjoy! Hey, Selena. And hello, and welcome to the Sweet Tea and TV podcast. Hi. We're here for a special episode. Specialty special. <laughs> so special that we're in the same old crap. We got something new. <laughs> That's it's like something all around kind of new because we're going to talk about the return of designing women. Mm-hmm. That's right, guys, gals, people. Designing Women returned, this time to stage, mm. in Theater Squared. That's a theater in Fayetteville, Arkansas. And I guess that's where LBT is residing now. It was only for a month run. And uh, with two really fun facts. Maybe. I don't know. You you decide. How fun. Well, it was set in 2020. You know the facts. Oh, so. I know them. Mm-hmm. And we were able to stream it from home. There you go. I didn't have to put pants on. That's who does anymore? It's a post-2020 world. Pants are for yesteryear. <clears throat> Post-pandemic pants optional. That's right. So thanks to Tammy, friend of real life, friend of show. Mm-hmm. Uh, she flagged this for us. And so... And she said, did you guys hear about this? And we were like, we're such massive designing women fans. No, we definitely have not heard of this. Was that our fault? Maybe. Possibly. <laughs> I was trying to decide if I was going to take ownership of that. Time to set up those Google alerts, I guess. <laughs> Anyways, uh, so we were able to catch one of the final performances, and that's why we're here, to report back. It's our duty. To you. It's our duty to the sweet tea and TV sweeties. <laughs> Just because, you know, we don't, if we didn't hear about it, there's a chance you didn't hear about it. So we're here to report back. Yep. And that's what today's about. Uh, there, and so the article that Tammy actually sent to us is from New York Times. So I guess if y'all want to know what they said, we'll also put that in show notes. Yep. Uh, I did a thing. Oh, no. Well, w- there's nothing for people to go back and see. Right. So I wrote a synopsis. Do you want to judge me? The way that we judge Hulu and IMDb. You know, judging is like my favorite thing to do. <laughs> oh, yes. Yes, well, please. What else are you going to do in your spare time? <laughs> uh, so, and then uh, hopefully also like we can put together some of the pieces for people before we start to give our thoughts. That way they don't feel like they're going into this, you know, with the old wool over the eyes. Yeah, that's not what that sure. means. Okay. <laughs> <clears throat> I'm nervous. Okay. No one avoided the roller coaster ride from hell that was 2020. Not even sugar bakers. Building tensions over COVID-19 and the looming presidential election come to a boiling point when Julia, Suzanne, Mary Jo, Cleo, that's Anthony's cousin, and Haley, that's Charlene's sister, all find themselves quarantined together after an exposure to the virus. 
And as we all know, there's no better time to nitpick politics, religion, and what you don't like about each other than when you're cooped up and have nowhere to go. Hmm? Can Charlene, who's been missing in action, swoop in and save their business and 30-plus year friendship from disaster? <clears throat> That's it. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. I like it. I feel like it was pretty inclusive. We should say that this thing was two and a half hours longer. No, two. it was like almost three hours. It was it was long. It was very long. We only got to watch it one time because the way it worked, so they did um, live performances, like Selena said, for about a month. And then they had a, vir- uh, I was going to say virtual. They had like a recorded performance available and you buy your ticket and then you get it for 24 hours on the day that you get it. And we both got it on a work day because it was ending that weekend. We weren't able to watch it or whatever. So we both got it on a work day, which means we didn't get to start watching it till the end of the day. And then we had to go work the next day. So there was no time to watch it multiple times. So yeah. all of this is based on our very best recollections. And which it was, is tough. It's tough. And so, yes, it was that was number one thing. It was very long. There was a lot of intersecting and interweaving points. Well, I thought maybe what we could do is also give some of that. So, oh, well, hold on, hold on, hold on. Thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> it was lovely. You, Selena, did what Hulu often finds it cannot do. You gave a very inclusive but not overly revealing synopsis. But now we do need to reveal. <laughs> now we got to reveal some things. <laughs> because because we, we assume that you want to know. Uh, so I'm going to say some things, and okay. maybe you can hold me accountable, because I think I probably missed. A lot. <laughs> it was long. <laughs> right. But I thought like, you know, uh, there, we were in a little bit of a time warp where simultaneously we're in 2020, but no one's aged. Some people have gotten younger. And that's cool. Like, do what you want. But I think uh, it's, if you didn't view it like we did, it might make it tougher to, like, get your mind on this. So I think that's important for people to understand. It's 2020, but I'm not sure they've gotten 30 years older. Yeah, I have this somewhere else um, to bring up later. But yeah, so the show is definitely, and it's really clearly set in 2020, if for no other reason than the cultural milestones, the election, COVID. Um, so it's clear that's happening. We also know that at the times it was really clear the show was set in the 1980s. So it was supposed to be 30 years. Mm. But to your point, Suzanne doesn't look 30 years older. Right. I mean, they would be like about ready to move in the 55 and up communities. Right. So, and that wasn't the case. Mm-mm. So just to give everybody an idea, Nikki, tell me if I'm right or wrong here. It sounds like Suzanne is in the middle of her sixth divorce. Oh, did they say that? Her sixth? I, th- I think so. Okay. <laughs> so, it was a divorce for sure. I knew that part. Um, and so now she owns her own cosmetics beauty business. Mm-hmm. Sounds like there's a lot of different components to that. She's got well, some sure. perfume, some... Some stuff. She's a girl boss. Uh, that's right. Um, Julia is now a blogger. Uh-huh. And With a dedicated fan base. It, yes. And she is, <laughs> you know, uh, she she really knows her way around words, which I'm proving right now that I don't. <laughs> I'm like, she uses words. She's a good talker. But she also stirs up a lot of emotions in people, it sounds like. And As so, we know. So Right. And so there's a lot of jokes about that, yeah. uh, especially towards the beginning. I think the other thing that's a big plot point is that she has a budding romance with a builder She's working on uh, with, and they're working on a community center, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's happening. Dollar Winhide is his name. Is that right? 
dollar hide. Wind dollar hide. Okay. <laughs> that took me a second because it flipped in my brain. Wind dollar hide. <laughs> and weirdly, it seemed like maybe at the beginning of the play, they didn't have a budding romance. They were just like, they just worked on this project together. It grows as the show goes on. Like they're not yes. starting at like 50% even. They're just no. sort of like working together. Maybe not even sure of one another. Yeah. A little bit. Yeah. Um, they have different politics. But it was nearly three hours long, which is long enough for your relationship to come together. Marriage, kids, divorce, subsequent marriage, all the things. Um, so the only thing that I recall about Mary Jo is that, and I missed the thread whenever she said she was going to do this, but she was tracking down her first boss that me tooed her at some point. Oh. And I didn't even ever hear that. I just know that when she got there, he had already passed away. I'm laughing because it wasn't his wife there. Yeah, his wife was at the cemetery and then she sang happy birthday to him or something really strange like that. I remember it making sense at the time, but to your point now, I don't remember how that came about. Uh-huh. <laughs> it's nearly three hours you, long. You heard it here first. <laughs> yeah, they don't talk about Mary Jo's family. We don't talk about the ladies' man, Quint. We don't talk about Claudia. We don't talk about Ted. Like, there's no conversation about any of that stuff. No. Um, so hopefully the kids are well. Uh, Charlene. You, she's gone on vacation she's going on vacation i think she and um bill were going to celebrate their anniversary in savannah or some somewhere like on the coast which is a spoiler alert because we've only finished season one so no one has met bill but we will eventually meet bill so sorry uh (laughs) sorry about that but it that her being gone um, leads us to her little sister, Haley, who comes to fill in while she's away. Uh, who must have been born after that episode that we watched um, with the, like, when right. all of Charlene, the Charlene, Carlene, Marlene, Farlene. <laughs> there was no Haley. There was no Haley. But we know that they had a lot of kids, so maybe they popped out a couple more in their 60s. Could happen. It's like a biblical story. Because she was noticeably younger than the other women, so it's possible that happened. Yes. Uh, and the other big plot point about Charlene is like, we don't see her except for the very beginning and the very end. And uh, while she's gone, she gets COVID Mm -hmm. and then she's gets actually really sick and she's in the hospital. Uh, and she hides it from everyone except for Haley until the very end of the play. Mm -hmm. So there was that that was going on. Haley is a very religious woman. She's married with children, presumably back in Missouri. Mm. Missouri? Maybe. Good uh, point. It doesn't ever really say it's that not I super recall. Clear. Either that or they said it 10 times and Nikki and I don't remember. So <laughs> It was nearly three hours long. I'm just going to keep saying that. <laughs> A three-hour play. Um, her husband is very controlling. We never meet him. We never mm-hmm. see him, but we hear a lot about him. And we hear her side of phone calls with him. Yes. And there are strong hints throughout that he is gay, mm-hmm. but in the closet. Mm-hmm. So that is a running thing. Cleo, this is Anthony's cousin, who now, I guess she took over Anthony's part in the business. Uh-huh. Anthony is gone. And uh, Cleo also has a daughter. And I. this is my interpretation of her role. She was there as a voice of reason. 
she was there to provide some perspectives, but she didn't actually have anything going on that I recall. The daughter? No, sorry, Cleo. Cleo. Like, she, there was no conflict. I think that's right. For Cleo. I think that's right. Yeah, I think maybe she was there to, like, tell Suzanne when she was being um, racist. Mm-hmm. That was her role. I think that's right. Uh, so, conflicts. Uh, Suzanne is mad at Julia for dating. I have it here. Win Dollar Hyde, not Dollar Win Hyde. <laughs> <laughs> Win that had. I don't know. I mean, either way, the name's a little ridiculous. So. Um. <clears throat> But this is because she was interested in him, but he's interested in Julia. Mm-hmm. And Julia's interested in Mr. Dolahide. Mm-hmm. So, you know, sister tension. Sure. Julia is concerned about Haley bringing too much religion into the workplace. This mm-hmm. was a theme that seemed to filter throughout. Julia, all right, this one's weird. Julia is irate when she finds out Suzanne slept with Donald Trump at some point in the past. <laughs> oh, I forgot about that. Yep. So that happened. was a thing. That was a thing. Uh-huh. Everyone is annoyed at Suzanne for being a Karen. Mm-hmm. Suzanne wants to know who this Karen person is. <laughs> uh, a little out of touch there. That was good, I thought. Yeah. Uh, more than that, I think LBT uses the characters... Uh, to set up some of the dynamics we're seeing play out in the country. Go with me on this journey, if you will. Progressivism versus conservatism. Urbanism versus ruralism. And the general inability to see one another through the other-ism, tribalism. Everybody's got a camp, but we're having a really hard time seeing one another. That was what I took away from this play. That's what I think was on LBT's mind. So there's that. Anything to say there? You're looking at me and shaking your head. I don't want to. I'm trying to figure out where this fits in. Um, And I think it's going to fit into the conversation later. Okay. Um, But this concept of progressives versus conservatives and um, that, that lens of tribalism, I have to say, we only got, in my opinion... 98% 98% of the play focused on the progressives side, the progressives tribe. Mm-hmm. And I think there was a half-hearted attempt to see conservatives where they are, but I don't think we really went all the way. And I think that because of that, it was a little hypocritical for me to take mm. that point away from it, that like we should all see each other's perspectives. But 98, 99% of the play was like, all that other stuff is kind of silly. Mm-hmm. Um, all those conservative perspectives are silly. See, like the um, Haley, we poked fun at her religion. We poked fun at her husband being super religious, but possibly gay. Um, she's bringing too much religion into that. That was the butt of the joke was all of that. It wasn't like, well, but why is she this way? Why is she doing this? So that part bothered me a little bit. Definitely had a slant. Yeah. Uh, we'll get into it. We'll get into it. <laughs> uh, and then, so we do spend time with two male characters, Suzanne's soon-to-be ex-husband, who's an avid Trump supporter, and Wynn Dollarhide, again, just going to keep saying that name. Suzanne's ex-husband had a weird name, too. Calder Tipton the Third. Calder. LBT. Like, I'm telling you, it feels like she dropped, she pulls names from some kind of weird Southern name <laughs> southern generator. generator. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and if I could do the coding, I'd do one. I really would. So Julia's, Julia's new beau, uh, he's a Republican, and I would put him in the camp of a never-Trumper. Oh, 
So mm-hmm. kind of old school Republican, country club Republican, kind of, mm-hmm. but not really. You can't put old win in a box is <laughs> what I'm saying. Mm-mm. So does that all feel fair and accurate? I think that's right. <laughs> Again, that went on for a while. Three hours. Okay. Three hours and 30 years have passed. So we had a lot of catching up to do. Which is a perfect transition into something that I thought we could talk about, which is we get a glimpse at LBT in this century. <laughs> we don't get a glimpse. It's right in front of us. We get three hours of worth of LBT in this century. <laughs> a full Monty, if you will. <laughs> We got the full frontal. <laughs> full frontal and back noodles. You know? I don't even know what that means. I'm going to have to. Back noodles don't sound delightful. <laughs> it really doesn't. If you've got back noodles, please see your doctor or healthcare provider. Um, so this is the first thing I've seen from her in this century. She does have a handful of other writing credits, but it's nothing that I have seen. So Okay. I'll take your word on that. Is that... Is that true to your experience? Okay. I'm not an IMDb junkie the way that you are, so... Oh, I because I can tell you what they are, because you know I look back. Okay, tell me. So, do you remember when Emerald had his own show, and I do not mean the cooking show? Like a talk show? No. It was a sitcom. Like... About a... Emerald Lagasse? Uh-huh. She's the creator. Oh. Okay. It was short-lived. So that happened. She had another show that she wrote on a couple of years ago. I can't recall who was in it, but I actually was, I'm very upset that I never saw it. And, but it was only six episodes, so now I don't want to get invested. But it actually had a really good cast, and mm. I thought the premise behind it sounded pretty interesting. So there was that. And then she did a documentary called, I think it was called Bridegroom, which basically is something that talks about uh, gay marriage. Okay. So those are the only things I know of, really. Okay. Since So I've not seen any of those 2000. Mm-hmm. And well, she probably just living on that design of women money. I don't well, know. sure. I, I would be. Sure. So anyway, so I thought this was really interesting that we finally got more than a snapshot into, into the old brain mm-hmm. where she is on things. Uh, so I'm going to tell you what didn't s- surprise me. Okay. Is that, uh, because of the setting it's set in 2020. And so it focuses on things that dominated the conversation all year. Mm-hmm. Uh, the election and the pandemic. Mm-hmm. And like everything else these days, it's very political. So there was, and, and in par- partisan to your point before. Mm-hmm. Was there anything for you that like you felt surprised by or not surprised by? I expected that it would have a very progressive, I hate to use these words because I hate to like continue to perpetuate labels on things that maybe may or may not be fair, but like I had, I would expect that it would have a liberal slant. Mm -hmm. I was surprised at how far it went. And I Mm -hmm. think you tapped into the explanation for that, which is she's not tied to TV. Mm -hmm. She's not tied to ratings. She had sort of free reign and could do what she wanted. And so that was something as I watched it, it really kept kind of like, I kept coming back to this point that like, it seemed like we wanted to take away from it. And, and maybe this is an unfair, maybe I'm putting something unfair on it. I thought maybe what she wanted us to take away from it was like, just see through one another's eyes, take, you know, take a second, take a beat and think about what the other person's trying to tell you. And that just, that did not 
come across. And so I went back and looked at that New York Times article. Um, I think it was the same one Tammy sent. Mm-hmm. Um, but they said, uh, that's what makes this theatrical version of Designing Women more than, attempt, more than an attempt to capitalize on familiar intellectual property. As a television show, it straddled the political divide, allowing both progressive and conservative women to see themselves represented glamorously. Those divides are wider now. But if these characters can still talk to one another on stage, maybe audience members can continue those conversations off stage with or without repartee. Ooh. It's lovely. Right. It's beautifully it written, lovely. right? Yeah. I followed it, followed it up to the last point where it said, like, if they can still talk to one another. I didn't feel, as I watched the play, I didn't feel super productive. Let's see where one another comes from conversations until the bitter end of the play and it was only because charlene came in and basically said like i almost died and that's kind of what led them to this very emotional moment sure um so that's a long-winded way of answering your question to say i think that part of it surprised me a little bit same so i was i i was expecting i wasn't expecting it to be as political as it was and i mean partisan political yeah so in what we've seen up to this point and uh, in, in, I think the network is a big reason behind it. This is a place you can do whatever she wants, and I get that. But it does feel to me like a little bit more of a sign of the times. Mm-hmm. Because, I mean, one thing is she was not – season one covered broad brush issues and more like ideology, like feminism, you know, big tentpole kind of things. But she wasn't up there ripping Reagan, mm-hmm. you know. So I thought – and there was a lot of Trump ripping, mm-hmm. um, and uh, and I think and I think that just feels like maybe that's where the country has been pulled. Like people who normally like, even let's just say that she would. Okay, it's the network, but also maybe she did want to be thoughtful about not making anybody feel like they weren't a part of something. And today it feels like I hear more and more people who are writers and directors come out and directly say, I didn't feel like I could be quiet about it this time. Mm. And I'm wondering if that's some of what's going on now. Mm-hmm. This is this is just me musing. So, and I think for, and I just want to say that I think that this feels a little, dangerous is a harsh word, but it is, it is one thing for us to talk about the 80s and be like, Ugh they mean then but we're talking about now so we are just pontificating Mm -hmm. we don't know what's in lbt's mind yeah oh Um, for sure and i don't know if you guys know this or not but we're not actually friends (laughs) we could be though (laughs) and if that doesn't bring you over to our side (laughs) i don't know be our friend Spine chilling. <laughs> so, so okay. It sounds like we're seeing things from a very similar view. We weren't expecting quite what we got. Yeah. Um, I. So I will say that something something that stuck out for me was that we got stronger stances, in, in my opinion, on issues facing African Americans and LGBTQ community, mm-hmm. and uh, th- primarily through the lens of Cleo, mm-hmm. which it, it makes sense. And at, at least compared to where we are now in the original show, into season one, her stance feels more vocal, more pronounced. I like that. I There was a part in the middle, and I don't think I wrote down any of the script, which I wish I had. There was a part in the middle where Cleo had, I'm not a theater person, which we'll get into, 
Uh, but she had what I would call like a soliloquy, kind of like a moment where she got to a monologue maybe. Mm -hmm. And she said some things that honestly made me cry. Mm -hmm. Like I honestly teared up. It's in my highs. It was like just, it was amazing. And it was so to your point on the nose and it said things that we haven't so far seen in the show. We fall in love with this character of Anthony, but he hasn't really been given the opportunity. A lot of the cut lines that are kind of racist and have him calling out racism, we just covered this in one of our episodes with season season two, gets cut in the whatever the final version is that we're watching. We Mm -hmm. don't even get to see that part. So a lot of the times where we could cover some of these issues, we haven't gotten to. So that was pretty cool. Yeah, I like that a lot. So I don't have any of those lines written down, but I did like kind of some of the groupings of what she covered. Mm -hmm. And she covered things like, the hypocrisy of gone with the wind. Mm-hmm. You know, she covered things about the importance of Black Lives Matter. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and a whole string of things in between. And she did it with such conviction. Mm-hmm. And it was that perfect match of logic and emotion. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm going to call it an argument. I've got my quotation marks up. Because I, it's not that she was necessarily arguing, although mm-hmm. I a little bit, because yeah. I think she needed to at the time. Um, but it was such a well-constructed argument, and it was just beautiful. It was really nice. Definitely a high. Mm-hmm. So that was nice to see. The other thing and that I want your thoughts on is that we get two things that we don't really get in the show. Okay. Cussing. Oh, sure. And love scenes. <laughs> so thoughts the love scenes were gentle i thought i didn't think they were were consensual and that's important it's very important um there was one very i think you and i had different reactions to the scene with the glass door uh there was a very funny scene where julia had no no don't tell separate just let him imagine So I'm going to say they had to be kept separate and there's a glass door involved in a very intimate moment between the two of them with the glass door between them. But played like a joke. Definitely. But because there's some glass groping guys. I, glass Don't groping. tell them. Let them imagine. Oh, sorry. It was hilarious. I, mean, I thought it was so funny. I was dying laughing. Um, so the love scenes I actually thought were pretty tame. But I guess, I mean, they're not going to get naked on stage. Uh, or I guess they could be a different play. They then. got pretty close in the first scene. They were down to skivvies. Yeah, that's fine. It's like Wait, is that underwear? <laughs> it's like or is is skivvies underwear or is it a skin condition? <laughs> that's scabies. Uh, skivvies is underwear. They got down to the skivvies <laughs> and, and the skivvies. <laughs> uh, the cussing. So I think we, you and I, might have also had different reactions to the cussing. Um, it never felt warranted to me. It never once felt warranted. Mm-hmm. With the exception, possibly, of one at the end. I'm okay with a well-placed F word. I really can live with it. I think it can make a really good point. It just came, like, there was one point where Mary Jo dropped one, and I was like, Mary Jo's a mother. Where are her children? Where's Quint? Where is he right now? Like, it just felt not true to her character, in my opinion, Mm -hmm. based on this character that I have built in my head of a 1980s Mary Jo it was funny when mm-hmm. she said it. It made me laugh. But that, and this might be something else you have somewhere else in your notes, the character is Mary Jo just in general, mm-hmm. didn't feel, I didn't feel necessarily like the same person. So when it came from her, I was just like, what the, What just happened? 
Um, so the cussing was just, it never really felt super warranted to me. It felt well, out of place. That might be the tough thing from like the high of not being on a network and her being able to do whatever she wants to do is that she can do whatever she wants to do. Mm-hmm. But if you've got seven years of character development, right. that's going to feel like a real hill turn. It felt really, and that's exactly how I would describe it. I just felt like, whoa, what? Huh? And I'm not even like, again, I want to be super clear. Like I'm not against cussing. I use cuss words all the time. It just Don't let her fool you. She's over there clutching her pearls. It was just so out of left field. It just felt like, well, that was unnecessary. And I think that's what network TV teaches us, right? Like most of the time, cuss words aren't necessary. I think... feel better. (laughs) I think that we had opposite reactions for the same reasons. Oh. So that would be the way I felt about the sex scenes. I don't care about sex like it doesn't bother me i, I see, see what sexing. you're saying now okay it just felt so ass backwards from everything we've built up this whole time where we barely see a kiss yeah um you all aren't privy to this yet but we'll get a shot of julia's lingerie <laughs> at some point and it is it I, it's more clothes than i've ever worn <laughs> it's a nightgown i check the mail in <laughs> I would totally walk down the street in that. I mean, at least the amount of coverage that is there. So suddenly for her to be very close to nude Hmm. on the couch is kind of weird. And then for her, so they, it's also, it's also the unfortunate part of stage lovemaking. It's just not polished enough for me. I mean, it's like, <laughs> I like some production value. It's like 70s softcore. Like I oh. want, yeah, I do. I want some production value. <laughs> and so it just, it's a little rougher looking and we're used to. Not in a good way. We're used to like, you know, Game of Thrones level lovemaking. Yeah. yeah. Um, so that was part of the issue for me. And much like you felt it wasn't true to Mary Jo's character, this idea. So they play it for laughs where uh, Julia and when are downstairs on the couch they've fallen asleep they're almost he's in his boxers i think she's very scantily clad and they're basically still in a scissoring position and we're left to believe that the women come in to work and julia wouldn't melt into the floor and die i mean it's 2021 selena get over it (laughs) grow up she's matured a little bit (laughs) I didn't say any of these things to your Mary Jo thing. Times is a changing. It just feels like she would have been very embarrassed to have I think been that's a really good yeah, point. found like that. And she didn't seem to really mind that much. Yeah. She kind of like flung her boob around and was like, hello. <laughs> flung it around. <laughs> well, it's 30, Tossed it over her shoulder and said, I'm here now. It's 30 years later. <laughs> Yeah, she tossed it. <laughs> Anyways, and then I would just say with the cussing, I don't care at all. My thing is, I was okay because it was infrequent. The only time I've ever been agitated by cussing in a show is when it's so unnecessary where they're cussing like every other word and I'm distracted by it. Yeah. Where I'm like, okay. Or like I've watched ones where it's supposed to be set in like, like old English days. Oh. And it's just not the best production value. And they're just like, F this and F that and F this. And they're like walking into court with the king. And I'm like, okay, guys, (laughs) this is not believable. So I have a list. Okay. (laughs) I'm like, I also feel like I could take a breath. (laughs) Of things that I felt 
I picked up on that are bothering LBT. Okay. Before we leave the 21st century. Donald Trump is at the top of your list. <laughs> He's in there. Okay. He's in there. Other things. I'm going to say this without comment. We're just going to leave this list here. Oh, sure. Okay. Thanks. Okay. Thanks for that heads up. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. But you. But if there's one you feel strongly about, let me know. We'll circle back. Okay. Okay. People who won't wear masks. The Kardashians. Social media. Especially everyone being so narcissistic and putting their T and A in her face. Veganism, maybe? There was a weird thing about that. Overly sexually aggressive young women. People who overuse the word awesome. The royal family being a douche to Meghan Markle. Fox News, Janine Shapiro, Tucker Carlson. Mm -hmm. Trump and everything that comes with it. Crime shows and Karens. Oh, wait. Monuments. And uh, the P word, it rhymes with Watusi. (laughs) (laughs) Well, there's not a lot of words that rhyme with it. I, too, am not a fan of the P word, so. Doesn't rhyme with Watusi, though. (laughs) What does it rhyme with, Nikki? Watusi. How do you pronounce this word? Let's just say it. (laughs) One, two, okay. So, anyway, she's not a fan of that. Yeah, she's not a fan. Uh, was there anything that you wanted to add to that? I will, one piece of consistency, uh, in, in thinking about like the eighties, some of the things we've said about the TV show, uh, Julia does not love a woman embracing her own sexuality. And now that you're pointing out the point about when dollar hide, it remains true in this play that like, um, people embracing their sexuality, wearing revealing clothes, whatever, all those other things you just said that she kind of points out throughout the dialogue, it stays true. That really drives poor LBT crazy. She hates that. Right. Or at least we assume it does. Well, sure. I mean, it, yeah. Right. Because <laughs> we're, just, we're just making stuff up, guys. It's all assumptions. <laughs> Tune in for the assumptions right here on Sweet Tea and TV. <laughs> and LBT, come on the show. Would you like to talk about the highs? Of course. What do you got? Win dollar HUD. <laughs> he was dreamy. I think he did for me as a love interest for Julia what I wanted. Are you laughing? I, I'm sorry. I thought you were about to say, I think he did for me as a lover. <laughs> and I'm like, what happened? Oh my God. What happened in your stream? Oh my God. I don't know what Selena's watching. He did for me what I wanted Reese to do. He was masculine. Mm. He had a masculine energy. He had a very like old Southern vibe. You said like country club Southern. I could feel that from him. Not chauvinistic, mm-hmm. not stuck in an old time. But a little bit of a bad boy. A little bit of a bad boy. Bad man. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I'll look at you. <laughs> I just love that character so much. Okay. All right. You go on. Tell, um, us, tell us more. I liked that the set looked like sugar, break, sugar bakers, but like a modern version. Mm-hmm. It felt like putting on a warm blanket. They showed it and I was like, huh, I like that. It did feel like returning home or something. Something. Especially since we have been um, <laughs> said subjected to, but now <laughs> I've said it, to a lot of sugar bakers. Because that's all, that's like. It's all sugar bakers all the it's time It's the thrust us. of the show. That's where, that's where they're at. Uh-huh. You want to say something? <clears throat> I, uh, I really did like the script. I hated so much for my own personal uh, lack of attention that it was almost three hours long because I really struggle to focus for that long. If I had been in person, it would have been a real uphill battle for me. Um, 
but I, but I feel like what I saw and what I jotted down to myself, the writing was still so very sharp. Mm-hmm. It very was good. so, so good. So pointed and still funny and still current the way, in my opinion, it was current. Um, some of the references maybe were a little, um, but I liked it. I like, I wrote down one that where they said, we're not the kind of women who go out slashing tires. We cut breaks. <laughs> That's just oh, funny. That's, that's just yeah. funny. Yeah. Um, I loved all of Julia's fan mail. This was sort of a running joke throughout the episode was she has this blog where she's writing. Selena mentioned that earlier. And she gets these voicemails from people about um, about her writing. And they're just really funny. Julia really strikes a chord for people and not a good one. Right. But it makes for excellent writing. It does. Uh, and then I liked the Southern references. And you mentioned some of these in your review. The um, Stucky's Pecan Logs, the Chick-fil-A bag. I thought those were really funny. Um, I also liked I liked some of the characters a lot. Like, I thought Suzanne was really funny in this. Mm-hmm. I thought she was very – she's not the Suzanne we know. But she was very funny. Um, I thought Julia was funny. Um, I thought she was close to the Julia we know. Mary Jo didn't feel quite the same, and Charlene definitely didn't feel the same. Um, I really liked Haley, and Cleo was uh, Cleo was a huge high for me. She was just so funny and so on it. So I think those were some of my big highs. Well, I'll start off with Cleo and Haley because they were also on my list. Uh, I found them both to be a breath of fresh air, and maybe that's what LBT was aiming for. Yeah. Uh, because she could have, because there's none of the original cast here. Mm-hmm. So she could have brought in someone to play Anthony. Yeah. So that, I, I would love to hear, like, why she decided not to do that. I wonder mm-hmm. if it was almost too painful. Oh. But that said, he's not the only one that's passed. Right. So, uh, but you also can't have the show without Julia. Mm-hmm. Like, you literally cannot do that. Um, so I thought that they were both really great characters and because at first I think um, it was red flags for me and they're and they're related don't worry we brought in their sister right right (laughs) okay so one of the things that I really liked about uh Haley was that do you remember her stage fall when she was in that oh in the like (laughs) 1940s Hollywood era Yeah, the, of Suzanne's. Yes. Picture uh, everybody, if you can, like fuzzy pink slippers and the long see-through robe with the fuzzies at the bottom that kind of like weigh it down. And Suzanne sort of adopts Haley. Mm-hmm. The, they, they, the ladies splinter. They splinter mm-hmm. into tribes, if you will. And Suzanne and Haley become a tribe. Mm-hmm. And so in adopting her, Suzanne does sort of what we saw her do with her... Um, foster child in season one where she sort of turns her into a mini Suzanne. Sure. So she gives her these very, part of her, what did she call them? Like her old Hollywood collection of nightgowns or something? Yeah, I forget the term. A super niche like thing to have. Yeah, there's a very specific term for it. It just looks like something like Betty Davis or something would be in and um, like Baby Jane or something. I'm sure I'm getting all those references wrong. Uh, But she, uh, so Haley is like definitely um, not glamorous. 
I'm not no. trying to be rude. But her character's not. It's glamorous. intentional. Yeah, right. yeah. Um, and she is a flat swearing kind of gal, mm-hmm. and so she's Flats trying and cardigan. Mm-hmm. And so she's trying to walk down the stairs in these probably stilettos. I'm guessing, and she falls down them. Stage falls are not easy, and I thought she did such a good job, and it was very comedic. Yeah, it was very funny. Uh, that was something that stood out for me. Her getting white girl wasted at the book club. <laughs> I loved that so much. Ah, wonderful. And then, so Cleo had my favorite line of the whole show. She said, dude, you really need to unfork your facts. (laughs) Hillary was a bitch in 2016. Now Hillary is a Satan-worshipping pedophile. If you're going to be for Trump, you have to keep up with all the batshit crazy stuff. (laughs) And that just was everything. Yeah, that was really good. Uh, and then I already talked about, well, we both did, about um, her. I called it a monologue. Don't know if that's correct or not. Don't know the right words. Whatever. It was beautiful. We loved it. That's that's enough. My other highs from this is just the fact that we were able to do this at all. Mm. You know, it was it was in Arkansas. No. And what a time to be alive. <laughs> <laughs> they said we wouldn't be able to stream theater. <laughs> Yet look at us now. And here we are, streaming an 80s sitcom. <laughs> I feel terrible. We weren't able to tell people in enough time that they could watch it. Yeah, I felt real bad about that. Sorry, guys. We're going to move right past that. But we're really going to tell you all the... You didn't gonna... miss a thing. Brick by brick. <laughs> brick by brick. Um, I also really enjoy that Suzanne keeps getting called Karen everywhere she goes. Yeah. On the flip side of that, I thought she had a pretty fair argument, which when she understood what Karen was, which she was like, but I was just asking for my change back. And it's sort of this idea that being a Karen has somehow become also like a way to maybe excuse sometimes maybe you just didn't do the right thing. Mm. Um, Not every time, but if she didn't get her right change back, just. Give her her right change back. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, but if she is being a Karen and she did get her right change back, then call her out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, there's that. Uh, I said this in my recap, but I'm not sure we needed this conflict at all. And I mean the fight between Suzanne and Julia. I, the because Suzanne slept with Trump allegedly. That over when oh. all of that like. Yeah. But my high is that I liked watching them come back together again, mm-hmm. even if the reason was like, eh. A little shaky. Mm-hmm. LBT's really good at that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so those were all my highs. There you go. Lows. Oh, man, I don't like plays. I said it. <laughs> I said what I said. Come at me. I just don't. I don't. I Theater's not for me. I just, I've said this, like, theater and musicals are just not my thing. I try. I give it a real honest effort. Um, but I feel like it limits you maybe so much in what you can do. There was a very, um, it's just a very theatrical vibe to these characters. Like, I'm going to worry about voice projection. And it just makes them sound false. It just makes mm-hmm. them sound false. Mm-hmm. Uh, the whole thing with Charlene being sick with COVID, the way that they had to show her on stage was like off stage with a blue light on her and she's in a gurney and it right. just looked so cheesy yeah it just looked so cheesy 
Yeah. And I just, the cheese factor bothers me. I'll also tell you there was a part really early on, um, I think the New York Times article maybe mentions this or one of the reviews of the play. There's a confetti cannon that plays throughout the episode. They use it a couple of times. They used it very early on. Um, and I can't remember what they were celebrating. They left it on the stage. It was on the stage the whole time. That bothered me too. Drove me so, it just takes you out of the moment. Mm-hmm. And I feel like possibly it was that we were watching the um the version of it where the camera is like a little bit higher than maybe you would have been in your seat. Like if you were in a seat, maybe the idea is you wouldn't have seen it. I don't know. I haven't been to the theater. Drove me so crazy and took me out of the moment. So all of that to say, yeah. I just feel like once you wait 30 years watching a stage version of this, it just doesn't do it for me. Mm-hmm. It just doesn't do it for me. Uh, time. We talked about this earlier on. The fact that 30 years have passed, everyone is somehow still younger. Um, except I will say, I looked up some of the actresses, some of the actors, and the one that played Suzanne is the, the lady Amy Pitts. She actually is like in her 50s, mid 50s. She looks amazing for her age. So Suzanne would be like 60s. Yeah. But but it's close. It's close. It's, it's not so far away. Of course, I don't want to hear anybody when I'm in my 50s tell me that I'm close to my 60s. That's true. Also, it's not our fault that this beautiful actor looks like she dipped from the well of eternal i swear to you watching the play i thought she was like late 20s or maybe early 30s i'm watching this thinking like what are we doing here like that's how old she was in the show but 30 years have passed like what is happening she looks great because i have seen her for years and she does not look like she's aged today and the lady that played julia the actor that played julia carmen cusack does not look the age that julia would have looked in the play. Um, that just bugged me. I think in real life she's either she's a little younger mm. still. She I feel like Julia I saw at some in. point she's wearing a wig. That's not what her normal hair looks like. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and when her wig's not on, she looks a lot younger. Um, I just didn't understand that. I didn't understand the idea behind that. Um, I don't know if we've mentioned this. It was almost three hours long. <laughs> Which mm-hmm. just really challenges my Is this attention like span. The episodes being out of order. <laughs> the episodes are out of order. What? I have no idea. Um, so that just bugged me. Mm-hmm. And then the accents. Mm-hmm. So there were a couple of points when I really truly thought, like if I had closed my eyes, I would have thought that was Dixie Carter. It sounded like Julia to me. Sometimes she was nailing it yep. so hard. Yep. Suzanne's was. It was at times very distracting for me mm-hmm. uh, for a show that tried so hard to stick so true to some version of a Southern accent. That was, that was a tough one for me. Yeah. I it's thought, I thought that on the accent, since we're there, cause I want to hear the rest of your, I want to hear that's everything. It, that's it. That's oh, that's it. it. You take okay. it away. Oh, um, I, I thought, I thought Mary Jo's was pretty solid. Yes. <laughs> um, and, uh, I thought, Haley's was pretty good. Yep. And um, and I think for something tells me, I mean, maybe I'm wrong, but something tells me that this was, this is not something that she's had in the works for a long time. Actually, I know for a fact that the play was announced in 2020, early 2020. Oh. She didn't even start writing till 2021. Ah. So. Okay. It feels, it feels like something that came together quickly. Yeah. Um, and only someone that's masterful can do. Yeah. Um, but I still feel a little bit of that quickness to it. Yeah. Which might be why some of it could use some smoothing. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, something easy to say from someone not in the business. And I understand that. She had 7,000 pages worth of content uh, 
after writing. She started in early 2020 and had 7,000 pages. I I believe it. That's crazy. I believe it. Sometimes I think her and I'm wondering how much her and Amy Sherman Palladino are similar. Mm-hmm. Uh, creator of the Giltmore Girls, just in case anybody doesn't Has anyone ever seen them in the room at the same time? Well, maybe they're friends. Who knows? Mm. Um, Did it maybe feel just a beat behind to devote so much time and energy to 2020? So to your point, this was just crossing my mind when you said it felt like it came together quickly. It was just crossing my mind. It had to, to stay current, to be somewhat relevant in the time that it takes to pull a stage production together. It had to come together really quickly. So did it feel behind? No, because we're still living so much of it. Um, was some of the, I felt like some of the Trump, some of the Make America Great Again stuff felt a little delayed. Mm-hmm. That felt a little irrelevant. Mm-hmm. We got new issues. Right. <laughs> we got so many new problems. <laughs> new problem, same problem. Um, <laughs> but I, I don't know. There was something about it where it was like, the, there's been a couple of shows where they'll do like a close um, callback mm. where we look at something that was like just a year ago or just five years ago or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, actually I'm going to bring up another show as a case in point though of why it's, and maybe this is to your point earlier about some things not feeling subjective enough mm. that objective, objective enough. enough. Okay. <laughs> there I go. Uh, that the crown which is on Netflix that's looking at the royal family, will not do anything yeah. that's less than 20 or 25 years old. Too and soon. The, that's what the creator said. I cannot look at content, I'm paraphrasing, I cannot look at something that happened in real life and shine a light on those people and feel like I can do it with any amount of fairness. And so I think that's one thing that makes it tough for me. One of the things that LBT said about, and I'm again, I'm going to paraphrase here, but about writing this play, she said that she just, in, 20, in early 2020, she was hearing the voices. She was mm. hearing the voices of the designing women. She felt like they anxiously had something to say about the state of the nation, and she had to get it out. Well, and I think the things that I wish that we have been, but there, so much energy has gone towards one figure. Mm-hmm. Okay, so Trump. So much energy has gone there. And I think I said this a couple of episodes ago. We had a lot of things going on in Texas lately. Yeah. I sure would have loved to hear LBT on that. Yeah, yeah, good point. So there was just some other thing. I'm not saying that that's not something worth talking about because it was definitely something, again, dominating the conversation, not just here, but abroad. I mean, every time that I have left this country... People are asking me questions about our leadership, um, and they want to know, like, they have lots of questions about Trump, which I think, so, which I'm like, I'm just a citizen. So, and I think that sort of brings me around to. I think you're you're asking a really good question, and my answer might be changing because it's bringing me around to, um, that point I made earlier of like, what was her point with this play? Like, what did she want us to take away from it? And the the Trump aspect of it, which was, I mean, what would you say? Like 40% of the play, 50, a good half of the play was Trump focused. Mm-hmm. Um, and what was the, to what end? Like, do you want to change people's minds? Because if so, that's too, that ship's sailed. Like that he's like that, 
he may become relevant at some point. But right now, in terms of voting or not voting for Trump, if that's what you're aiming for, that ship has sailed. So I don't think I needed a three-hour play to tell me LBT didn't care for Trump. I didn't need that. I have Mm -hmm. six, seven seasons of a TV show from the 80s that tells me that. Mm -hmm. Um, So, yeah, that maybe did feel a little irrelevant. Or what scares me is, are we ever in a position to win hearts and minds again? Mm, yeah. And I don't know we are. Yeah. And that's the thing that I find the most deflating. Yeah. And if that's the case and other people who have been on this earth longer than you and I have f- may feel even more that way. Mm-hmm. Have they just been like, you know what? I'm just going to, sometimes I just need to say what I need to say. Mm-hmm. And this, and I have the platform to do it. Um, so, well, we solved that. <laughs> uh, so... We've talked about the accents. We, we've talked about how long it is. I also had that in my notes. As how something. long was it? it I hear it was like uh, about three hours. Golly, that's so long, Selena. I, writing that synopsis almost broke my brain. Oh. Just because I was trying so hard. So many to, pieces. I was like, oh, we'll never get all of this in here. How will we ever explain it? And then I was like, Selena, this, just, this is not even your day job. <laughs> Which I find myself doing a lot. It's barely even my night job. So. <laughs> uh, I think you've covered this in yours as well. But we just like, Charlene, why did we oust her for the for the bulk of the play? I should have put this in my lows. Mary Jo and Charlene, like I combine them into one. Like Charlene is just, to your point, she's just gone. And then when she comes back, it's this person I don't even recognize. Mm-hmm. Like... And to be fair, we've only watched into a few episodes of season two, but the Charlene I saw in the play was not the Charlene I know. Like, I respect people grow and mature. This was a totally different person. Yeah. It's almost like the actress was different altogether. Well, and I, it was, mm -hmm. it's (laughs) the argument of like, I've been put up for this for 30 years. I'm tired of y'all calling my people. Yeah. Podunks. Yeah. You know, and I, I I get it because I have sat here and been um, annoyed on her behalf. Mm-hmm. I have sat here as, as someone who has family from the quote unquote hills. I have sat here and uh, devoted an extra sugar mm-hmm. to um, unfair derogatory terms for people who come from those lovely podunk towns. And so I, I think it was it was almost the way that she did it was it felt not um t- true to her for me mm-hmm. in in a scolding way yeah it was also buried at the very end and there's a lot from that last probably like 45 minutes i don't remember the only thing i could figure <laughs> was that they needed a way to make sense of Haley. And I think they wanted to bring in a Haley. I think they wanted to bring in a younger cast member. Mm-hmm. But I think they also wanted to bring in a varying perspective. And they wanted to bring it. I think the evangelical thing is a big thing in this country right now. Um, Can, and I think they wanted to bring that in. I'm going to pause you for a second, though, and, yeah. s- and make the, the counterpoint that why couldn't they have given Charlene the Anthony treatment then? Charlene Say and Bill more. are stationed in Germany. Charlene and Bill are in Japan. Oh, Charlene just like and Bill, like just completely. leave her out altogether. I think they wanted her to be the voice of reason at the end, to come back and bring them together. I think they felt like they needed. I, I'm not saying I agree or disagree with the decision. I'm just saying I feel like they like. Um, could it? Could it? 
could it be that LBT thought that maybe Charlene was the only one that could really be the glue? Mm. Not saying the execution was perfect. Mm -hmm. Just saying maybe that's where she was coming from. Because again, I don't know the answer. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. We need LBT here. We need, we need, we have to chat. I got some questions. One day. Because then Mary Jo was, again, felt like a very different character than she was, in my opinion, and maybe it's because I do recognize this actor, and I do know that she yes. is, like, super self-confident and super self, like, uh, like she's not the, the withering flower that Mary Jo has been so far in the show. Yeah. So far, Mary Jo has not been the most assertive character. In this play, she was. Again, time goes on. People get mature. I understand that. I I am totally with you. I think that her entire energy is different. Totally different. Mary Jo to me is um, high energy. Yep. High anxiety. We talk about how she like scrambles into the room all the time. Yeah. And she's almost like melodic with her line delivery. Mm -hmm. And it's a like her rhythm is so different. Than this other actor who, I, I mean, I think landed a lot of jokes really well. Yeah. Because she's a stand-up. Yeah. Um, but it was just, it was too different. I, 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 if they, they like plopped curly hair on her and yeah. that was supposed to be enough. I and think. then it's Mary Jo. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I agree with you. I agree with you. I have some strays. Okay. I only had the one and I already dropped my knowledge that she started writing in 2021. I well, I was this is crazy. <laughs> uh, the seven thousand pages. I'm, so that's all I got in the way of strays. That's that's way stray. That's off. <laughs> that's off the stage stray. Well, I've got one for you. Did you realize there were two Julias? Yes. Okay, I did not know that until I started looking more closely. Not at the cast. in the version that we. There was only one Julia in the version we watched, though, right? Yeah, but I'm not entirely sure who we saw. I but, was. Really confident that it was Carmen Cusack. Me too, except it didn't align with the nights that she performed. But neither did one of the other. Uh, Charlene. She didn't align. There were two Charlenes? Yes. Oh, I didn't know there were two Charlenes. So I'm like, how many actors are there? <laughs> so Char Charlene was two. Uh, one is Elaine Hendricks. Uh -huh. Who was in Romeo and Michelle High School Reunion. Yeah, that's the only one I saw. Uh, she was in uh, uh, The Parent Trap. Mm -hmm. uh, and I remember her from an episode of Ghost Whisperer. Mm -hmm. uh, that's not who we saw. I'm pretty sure we were watching Deborah Capps. Who, when I Googled her, her LinkedIn page took me to, uh, told me that she is a community engagement manager at the Boys and Girls Club in Bentonville, Arkansas, among other things. Oh. So I think she wasn't oh. quite as established as other actors we saw. But I can tell you with certainty, the person we saw playing Charlene was not Elaine Hendricks. Okay. I thought maybe she just, I, I did, I thought they looked different. <laughs> <laughs> but I was like, maybe I'm misremembering. So. So I, the only reason I'm getting so passionate about that is because yeah. I, I went down the same rabbit hole on Charlene. Um, mm -hmm. And so I felt reasonably confident that the person I saw in pictures as Julia was Carmen Cusack. Okay. Not the other person. It could be that the streamed version was recorded on a Carmen Cusack night that we wound up subsequently watching on Catherine Lanasa's night for a live performance. 
How's that? For I think a, that's right. A brain breaker. I think the um, streamed performance was recorded early, like early in the run. Uh, yeah. It was just a one-time recording that they gave you, or that everybody, like everybody who did that watched the same one. Which would probably make a lot more sense for everyone involved, but you know, I, I didn't run the event, so. Um, okay, so that was a stray, but you knew uh, everyone else uh, for the show you didn't see. <laughs> There were two Julias and apparently two Charlene's. Uh, we talked about the fact that nobody mentioned their children and the fact that um, that was really strange. But I did want to say that in comparison to the fact that we get a Dash Goff mention, <laughs> Suzanne's first ex-husband. So I just thought that was weird. I didn't remember that. Um, it, was very, it was very brief. I don't even remember what it was about, but I was like, huh talking about dash but no one's mentioned their children we haven't talked about this because i didn't really i didn't write them all down but there were quite a few flashbacks to mm-hmm. the sh- or throwbacks to the show mm-hmm. there was a the night and the lights went out in georgia throwback i guess dash golf which i probably heard in the moment um there were a couple throwbacks for fans mm. my last stray is i had two more southern mentions mm-hmm. that i didn't add because i found them in my notes after i wrote my recap mm-hmm. That's how the sausage is made. Um, one was Tyler Perry. Uh, oh. Yeah, I think, like, oh. Suzanne name drops him. She I went to lunch this. with him or something. And she also mentions Nene Leakes. Oh, I didn't hear that. Uh, also as a name drop for someone she, like, lunched with or something. Hmm. So we apparently both looked into the actors. We did. <laughs> is there anything that you want to share uh, I already it, shared my thing about Elaine Hendricks, who's not the person we saw. Right. <laughs> and which is news to me today. Uh, Carla Renata, who played Cleo, I found this in her Wikipedia page, but I'm not really sure what it means. It says she made history, becoming the first African-American actress to secure recurring roles on four television shows. So I'm not clear on whether that was that she did all four at the same time. Or has she literally been the only black person in the history of television who has a re- has had a recurring role on four TV shows? I took it. I saw that same thing. I took it to mean the former, but at the same time. Mm-hmm. Okay, but maybe it's not. I just thought that sounds like I. I either way, it's a huge milestone. Mm-hmm. But it, it yeah, it's but the face you're making. One is sadder than the other. Mm-hmm. Uh, only because every time I hear something like. The, the Academy Award ones always astonish me for African-Americans and women, Yeah, frankly. Yeah. So. Uh, did you know that Amy Pitts, who played Suzanne, uh, had a recurring role in The Office? I did. Okay. I wrote that one down just for you. I did. For the f- people out there who are f- um, fans of The Office, um, she is the woman who played Michael's love interest that he subsequently finds out is married it is a very, very funny string of episodes. Hmm. Um, and she does she does a really great job. I think that's all I had. Okay. Uh, fun, funnily enough, uh, the Kim M- Matula, mm-hmm. who plays Haley, unless there's a second Haley. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't see a second I'm Haley. very concerned now. Um, but I actually just saw her in a show this week. Oh, is that right? Mm-hmm. She is on American Crime Stories Impeachment. Do you not know what this is? What is this? You know what American Horror Story is? Yes. Ryan Murphy. 
So he has an anthology. Don't know if that's the right word. Whatever. American Crime Story. And it they're like mini series of different um, American crimes. So the very first season is about O.J. Simpson. Cuba Gooding Jr. plays O.J. Simpson. Oh, this is familiar. Fantastic show. Second one is about Giovanni Versace, who gets murdered outside of his home. Um, and then this one is about Bill Clinton and Monica Lewinsky. Oh, my. And it is amazing. Really? She has like a two-second role. I'm not trying to down her role. I'm just saying like... Um, I wish we had gotten to see more of her. Mm-hmm. Uh, she plays um, uh, Laura Ingraham. Mm. Like, you know, okay. they're, they're all real life people. Right. <laughs> so not a lot of fake characters in this one. Anyways, the season finale is next week. Um, I've binged it in a scary amount of time. It's, it is so addictive. Mm. I, can't, I can't. It's so good. Anyway, so that's my, that's my plug for today. Uh, and I, so just to talk about Sarah Colonna. So this is the, is it Colonna? I don't know. <laughs> Mary Jo. Okay. I was trying to remember which one she is. She's the person that I think we both most recognized. Yeah. Okay. And so she's a stand up comedian, actor, and a best selling author. Sad to say, I didn't know about the best selling author part, but we read a lot for work. So mom, mom, mom. I don't read enough of my spare time. Nikki reads. She's the smart one. Uh, so she's done a fair amount lately. She did a stint on the show Shameless mm. and she was on that show that came out on Netflix a couple of years ago, Insatiable, got a lot of heat. Oh. Cause it, this is about the girl who is a little heavier and then something happens. She gets like beat up by a person who's oh, homeless. Oh, and then she's skinny. Uh-huh. Yep. So she plays her mom. on that show but what i knew her from was chelsea Mm -hmm. and all the round tables yeah and i think she was a writer on that show almost the entire time yeah i did not realize until today that the people who were in the round table like i guess a bunch of them were also writers on the show i had no idea oh so today years old when i learned that there you you're never too old to learn new things but i thought that was really a good point though just to circle back to what we're talking about, which is designing women, which is her as Mary Jo. She is a very, I I don't want to, she's her own person, but Mm -hmm. if you are not familiar with her work, she is very Mm Chelsea-like. Dry, like sardonic, Mm. uh, sarcastic. And I just don't think that that felt the same as Mary Jo. Um, And I, and solid acting not the same person that we've seen you, at this point. You hit the nail on the head when you said it's a different energy. Mm-hmm. You, every every actor brings an energy. They can be the most amazing actor in the world, and they still, you feel a vibe from them. They still have a vibe. She didn't have a Mary Jo vibe. Right. I, th- I think that's a, I, that's just it. Um, I, it's probably feels worth noting that, uh, you know, like you said, like there's one person who played the Charlene that we saw and they're not someone that has like this extensive filmography or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, Carmen Cusack, one of the reasons that I'm not familiar with her is she is more of active on the stage. She's Broadway. A, yeah. She's also a singer. So um, she's a Tony award nominee. So we just, I don't know as much about her, but um, I get, she was a, in a beautiful day in the neighborhood um, with Tom Hanks, the movie about Mr. Rogers that came out a couple of years ago. I still haven't seen it. I want to. I she also was originally cast for the role that Lauren Graham plays in Zoe's Extraordinary Playlist. Oh, really? Which I have not seen because I don't like musicals. But originally she was cast in that role and then replaced with Lauren Graham. 
that's uh, interesting. She's also, like you said, Tony nominated, but also Grammy nominated, to your point about her being a singer. Mm, very nice. You can tell that Nikki and I did our homework. <laughs> I, I think the only other thing that I really wanted to share was um, Catherine Lanasa, who played the Julia we didn't see. Mm. She was married to Dennis Hopper in real life. Dennis Hopper's, he's, he's a very famous actor. <laughs> okay. And then I just thought that was crazy. One thing is because she's born in 1966, I saw today. Uh, much like she must also be drinking from the Fountain of Youth. Mm -hmm. Because when I read Dennis Hopper, I was like, Dennis Hopper? <laughs> that Dennis Hopper? <laughs> she seems a little young for him. Um, but she was also married to French Stewart. Do you know who that is? <laughs> you know who that is? Yes. I, I don't I love know French Stewart. Me too. And I don't know why that surprised me so much, but it just, I was like, and two really different people. So I don't know. <laughs> That's funny. That's really funny. Just thought I'd share that little bit of information. And. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. There you go, guys. Thanks for tuning in. <laughs> I will end by saying that I. It, I want to say it's the New York Times article, but I read a couple articles uh, in preparation for this segment. And um, there was a little conversation about why they chose this tiny playhouse. I say tiny. It's not really that tiny. Uh, it, they chose this playhouse in Bentonville, Arkansas, which for some people might feel random, I think is what I'm trying to articulate. Mm -hmm. It might just sort of be like, mm -hmm. other than their ties to Ar Arkansas, like why? Um, and they talked to the... Uh, manager of the playhouse I think it was and he talked about how uh the area they're in is pretty evenly divided partisanly and they are trending in the direction of more progressive and so it's very important to them in the playhouse to uh present uh projects that uh make people think and that bring in diverse perspectives and diverse opinions um, and so that's kind of the story of how they ended up in this particular theater squared playhouse. The second thing that I'll mention is it sounds like there may be a pipe dream hope that this show could be shown in other places. So again, it was a limited run in a, in a theater house in Arkansas. We watched it because it was, um, they offered a virtual version. It's no longer available. The play has closed, but it sounds like there is a possibility it could be available at another time in other places, maybe in the South. So huh. it's possible. Maybe we'll be able to go see it in person and do this whole episode all over again <laughs> it'll be completely different so until then until then stay tuned for this week's very rapid fire extra sugar where i will ask nikki to guess whether or not these actors are from the south or not Yay! to understand their accents so you know what that means we'll see you around the bend bye Welcome to this week's edition of Extra Sugar, where Selena hasn't done it in so long that she forgot how to start it. <laughs> All right, Nikki, oh. we got a real quick extra sugar today. Okay. I am going to share with you each character, just their character name, unless we have two of them. <laughs> oh, no. Where I knew there were two of them to be had. And I want you to guess 
Southern, not Southern. Okay. Are you ready to do this? I almost said party, but it just okay, felt too late. Okay, that's what you were going to say. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, I am. Charlene. Uh, boop. The one we didn't see. Sorry, the I didn't know. The one we didn't see. <laughs> not Southern? Ah, she's Southern. Oh, wow. But, sorry, lady. That one feels unfair, <laughs> but I didn't know. It's 50-50. She, she was born in Oak Ridge, Tennessee. Um, she spent her early years in nearby Knoxville and Morristown. And at 15, here's a nice connection. She actually moved to Atlanta where she attended the Northside School of Performing Arts. Hmm. Good for her. Well, you have heard her voice. You saw her on Ghost With for her, right? That's true. That's true. So you're not flying completely blind. This is true. Cleo. Southern. She is not Southern. Gosh darn it. <laughs> she is from St. Louis, Missouri. Sorry, it's not Southern. Midwestern. She's very close. Okay. Okay. Uh, Catherine Lanasa. That's Julia number one, which is why I'm telling you that. She's blonde in real life, not the one we saw. (laughs) 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 Sorry. Uh, Not Southern? (laughs) She is Southern. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like this game is rigged in some way. I think this was a good premise. We're going to do... Hey, don't you poo-poo on my game because you're getting them wrong. Um, I haven't seen any of these people. Well, I thought she's the one we saw. So whatever. She, It's a game, Nikki. I won't, like, beat you on the way out the door if you don't I'm not win. worried about you beating me. I'm worried about my record of winning games on this show. Okay. Well... <laughs> She was born in New Orleans. Okay. And then she went to school in North Carolina. So she does have some Southern ties. Uh, The Julia you do know, Carmen Cusack. Southern? Not Southern. Not Southern. Good job. Thanks. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Can we quit now? She was born in Denver, Colorado. And Mm. it sounds like she was there in her formative years as well. I tried to be really fair and poke around so that it wasn't like born in Tennessee, but raised in New York City. Oh, That would be unfair, you know what I'm saying? Haley. Southern. Uh, Well, it depends on whether or not they consider themselves uh, Southerners. I consider you Southern. She is from Fort Worth, Texas. So you win. (laughs) Mary Jo. Southern. Very good. She was born in Germany. Uh, this is why. <laughs> Super Southern, Southern Germany. <laughs> no, it's okay. See, I kept searching. This is one of the reasons I did. Right. But she was raised in Farmington, Arkansas. Oh, an Arkansas tie. That's right. So she has ties right there to where she performed. And also, maybe she has ties to the Thomasons. Don't know. Don't know anything. <laughs> That wasn't the point of the segment. So it's why you guys come here for the inside tips. The tips with a P. Just the tips. And <laughs> we're tired. And finally, Suzanne. Oh, shoot. I have to get her head back in, her face back in my head. Uh, the worst Southern accent. Come on, Nikki. I know, not Southern. <laughs> Southern. I hate you so much. I hate you so much. <laughs> 
<laughs> I'm just kidding. That gal isn't from the South. She's from Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Ah. So you win, Nikki. We <laughs> all win. We're winning. And that was this week's edition of Extra Sugar.